This free program is paid for by the listener members of KPFK. If you're not already a member, consider joining with us and keep free speech alive. You're going to love this. Just love it. Oh, of course I do. I got the feeling that something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my Me? Chair. Scared? Give and me a break. Yes, I am. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with here you. I am once again, stuck in the middle with you, right here on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, and of course, coast to coast and around the globe on KPFK.org and... The Radio or Not.com Network. Good afternoon. It is I, your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, Brad Friedman of bradblog.com, here again with you this afternoon, uh, as we are every week at this hour on KPFK, live in Los Angeles. Glad you could join us this afternoon. We've got a bit of breaking news to uh, open our show with. Uh, AP is reporting just moments ago uh, that an official tells them that Trayvon Martin's killer, George Zimmerman, will be charged with second-degree murder and is currently in custody. That's just breaking from AP. Uh, there had been a, a, a word breaking throughout the day that there would be a charge filed against George George Zimmerman in the killing of Trayvon Martin down there in uh, in Florida in Sanford, Florida, that took place on March 26th. Ever since George Zimmerman has been uh, out and about. Oh, I should say, uh, yeah, March 26th. That's correct. Uh, ever since George Zimmerman has been roaming the streets, a free man using the uh, cover of Florida's Stand Your Ground law, claiming uh, that he he felt threatened and uh, out of self-defense, just had to shoot Trayvon Martin. And so uh, now the uh, the prosecutor, according to AP, will be charging George Zimmerman with second-degree murder. And for the last 24 hours or so, it's been a very bizarre situation. Uh, George Zimmerman's attorneys announced yesterday in a really bizarre press conference that they were, uh, uh, that they were dropping, uh, Zimmerman as a client. They were, they had lost touch with him. They had no idea where he was. They had no idea if he was even in the country. No one had heard from him. No one that is other than Sean Hannity of Fox News who, uh, confirmed that in fact he had an off the record discussion with George Zimmerman. But couldn't talk about uh, what they discussed. Uh, in the meantime, his own attorneys had no idea where he is. Well, according to AP now, uh, he is in custody and he will be charged with second degree murder. If we've got more breaking news on that throughout the hour, we'll try to bring it to you. And I'm sure we will have more uh, tonight on KPFK's evening news. 
Okay, uh, what I really want to talk about, and I really want your help here in this, if we can get to some phone calls today, I'd really like to, because uh, I've been trying to figure this out for the past couple of, uh, past couple of weeks. Uh, to put it simply, what's the problem with Alec? Alec is, of course, the American Legislative Exchange Council. And let me give you a little bit of background. In 1973, Alec was founded as a tax-exempt 501c3 organization, supposedly to, quote, advance the Jeffersonian principles of free markets, limited government, federalism, and liberty, and individual liberty through a, through a nonpartisan public-private partisanship, I should say partisanship, public-private partnership of America's state legislators, members of the private sector, the federal government, and the general public. Now, the group considers itself a public-private partnership uh, that brings together corporate interests and lobbyists with state and federal legislators in order to create model legislation on a number of right-leaning issues. They call them nonpartisan issues. They're not. They're right-leaning issues. Now, that model legislation is then taken by the member legislators of ALEC and proposed in state legislatures and even at the federal level. ALEC currently boasts that some 1,000 pieces of ALEC model legislation is introduced in state assemblies around the country each year. Today, the group claims on their website to promote, quote, limited government, free markets, and federalism. These are all supposedly conservative values. Their model legislation has included bills that restrict voting rights for legally registered voters, and they've been pushing these so-called stand-your-ground laws that came into play in the, uh, in the Trayvon Martin killing, as we just discussed, uh, and critics of stand-your-ground laws refer to it as the shoot-first laws. I call them uh, the right-to-kill laws. It was that law in the state of Florida that allowed George Zimmerman, as I said, to roam the streets as a free man over the past month, uh, even after admitting to the killing of the unarmed Trayvon Martin in Sanford, Florida. That bill was uh, passed in the state of Florida, and ALEC has been uh, using that as model legislation all over the country. It's been passed in some 24 states. Now, whether it's true or not that ALEC's legislation actually supports limited government and free markets, as they claim, that is another matter. Take, for example, the polling place photo ID restrictions that we've talked about on this show many times that Republicans have been pushing to impose across the nation, despite the fact that it uh, it will likely disenfranchise thousands of perfect, perfectly legal voters. That's just one of Alex's model bills that has been showing up in nearly identical form in state legislature after state legislature ever since the GOP took over so many of them in 2010. Now, uh, the group and supporters of such restrictions on voting rights call that sort of legislation conservative legislation. I say, of course, there is nothing conservative about it. Uh, there's nothing conservative about a very costly big government program which determines who is allowed to vote and who is not on the basis of specious and wholly unsupported claims of nearly non-existent polling place quote, voter fraud. That's not conservatism. That's big government tyranny of the most insidious kind, the kind that serves to stifle the free market 
of democracy by picking winners and losers, those who are legally registered, those legally registered citizens who get to vote and to have their vo- voice be heard and those who do not. I believe there is nothing conservative about that kind of law. Alec, on the other hand, uh, will tell you that that is conservative legislation. In any case, that's why I will not refer to most right-wing groups as conservatives, because for the most part, they aren't. The so-called modern-day conservative movement is Republican. It is right-wing. It is composed of radicals and extremists. But for the most part, they are not actually conservatives. And they don't be deserve, and they don't deserve to be called that. They are anything but. The positive advertising appeal of the word conservative pulls very well. However, and that's why the right wing uses it. And both the media and Democrats, by the way, allow them to do so, whether it's actually accurate or not. Now, one of the founders of ALEC, the American Legislat- Leg- Legislative Exchange Council, in 1973, was a man by the name of Paul Weyrich. He is a, quote-unquote, conservative demigod, uh, and uh, he has been that way through his death just a couple of years ago. Here is one of the things that Paul Weyrich, the founder, the co-founder of ALEC in 1973, had to say about voting back in 1980 when he was speaking to a large convention of some 1,500 Baptist ministers in Dallas at a conference along with Ronald Reagan and Jerry Falwell. This is back in 1980. This is what Paul Weyrich had to say about voting. Now, many of our Christians have what I call the goo-goo syndrome. Good government. They want everybody to vote. I don't want everybody to vote. Elections are not won by a majority of people. They never have been from the beginning of our country, and they are not now. As a matter of fact, our leverage in the elections quite candidly goes up as the voting populace goes down. Our leverage in the election quite candidly goes up as the voting populace goes down. That was Paul Weyrich, the co-founder of the American Legislative Exchange Council, the group that is pushing uh, photo ID restriction laws from coast to coast in advance of the presidential election this year. They want everyone to vote. I don't want everybody to vote, says Paul Weyrich. So that is the view of Alec, uh, co-founder. Paul Weyrich, whose group has been pushing those polling place photo ID restrictions across the country. They do so under the guise of stopping voter fraud. Those supporters of the bills have been unable to point to any instances of polling place impersonation, the only type of voter fraud that could possibly be deterred by such restrictions. They can't point to any such uh, instances of polling place impersonation that have occurred in the states where these bills have so far been imposed. Now, opponents of those restrictions have noted with a great deal of evidence to support them that the restrictions are meant only to keep minorities, the elderly and students all of whom tend to vote Democratic, yet disproportionately lack the type of ID needed to vote under such laws, from being able to cast their own legal vote this year. Remember what Paul Weyrich said, Our leverage in the elections quite candidly goes up as the voting populace goes down. The anti-voter legislation in particular has raised the ire of voting groups, good government groups, and progressive minority organizations such as Color of Change, 
Alec.org, which has launched a campaign against Alec targeting their corporate sponsors. And man, do they have a lot of them. Other progressive groups like Think Progress and People for the American Way have also joined that campaign as well. So far, the campaign uh, has resulted in a number of corporations dropping out, dropping their corporate uh, funding of ALEC. Among the uh, groups so far that have dropped out, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Kraft Food, Intuit, which makes Quicken and TurboTax, McDonald's, Wendy's has now been added to the list of folks who are no longer sponsoring ALEC, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They have all pulled their funding from ALEC. Now, opponents of ALEC will describe uh, the group as little more than a corporate front group. They're, indeed, 98% of their funding comes from its corporate sponsors, which still include Walmart, ExxonMobil, Johnson & Johnson, FedEx, AT, and many others. And in Wisconsin recently, the Center for Media and Democracy, who has created an AlecExposed.org website to highlight the group's model legislation and what they describe as subversive tactics, uh, they have filed an ethics complaint against 43 Republican legislators in the state of Wisconsin, arguing that the conferences and the so-called scholarships to attend them that these uh, legislators ex- uh, attend with ALEC amount to undisclosed gifts from corporate lobbyists. The uh, Center for Media and Democracy complaint, as the Brad Blog's legal analyst Ernest Canning has detailed at bradblog.com, argues that the ALEC legislative task force system in which, quote, ALEC legislators and corporate lobbyists meet behind closed doors on model legislation violates Wisconsin's open meeting laws. That complaint is still making its way through the Wisconsin legal system, and it's possible that complaints may be filed against legislators in other states on a similar basis as well. But that's the legislators' problems, it seems to me, not Alex's. All of which leads me to what I have been pondering of late. As I said, what's the problem with Alec? Uh, is the problem that progressive groups have that uh, they didn't come up with this idea first? Seems like a pretty good idea uh, to me. Seems like it's legal. Now, maybe the uh, legislators who are, are, are members of ALEC uh, have not uh, disclosed properly uh, their dealings with ALEC. As I say, that's the legislators' faults, not Alex's fault. At least it seems to me. So isn't the vilification, the vilification by opponents little more than politics when it comes to ALEC. I'd like your thoughts on this uh, at 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. If you'd like to ring in on this, look, I don't uh, care for ALEC's legislations any more than anyone else. As a matter of fact, I hate ALEC's legislation. I think it's horrible. As I said, I think it's not conservative. Uh, I think it's... Uh, Uh, Terrible. I think the stand your ground laws are horrible. I think the photo ID restrictions are against everything that this nation stands for. But I think they're perfectly allowed to do it. And I think it speaks more to our uh, our system of corporate lobbying in this country than anything else. 
But I'm joined now by someone who may disagree with me on all of the above. I had mentioned Brad Blog's legal analyst, Ernest Canning. He has been following Alec. He has been writing about Alec. And uh, he may have some thoughts that differ from mine on uh, on Alec. Uh, hey, Ernie Canning, sir. Uh, welcome back to the broadcast. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing okay. Okay, so did you hear my setup for this piece, Mr. Canning? Yes, I did. I don't disagree with everything you said, but I disagree with some of it. Okay, tell me where tell me where I'm going wrong. What's the problem with Alec? Are, is anything that they are doing actually illegal as far as you know? Well, that's a two-part question. Let me take the first part of it, because I think in posing the question and in framing the question the way you did mm-hmm. in your recitation where you're talking about, you know, other groups do this and whatnot, is that you're treating... Um, Alec, as if it is simply an ordinary political movement seeking certain changes. And the guy who really addressed that uh, was uh, Paul Krugman in in The Great Unraveling. He was dealing with the right generally, dealing with the Bush administration and and the Republican-controlled Congress at that time. But what he had to say is very valid here, uh, because what he was citing was uh, a... uh, doctoral thesis by uh, Henry Kissinger from 1957 talking about a revolutionary power. And Alec and the people who are funding Alec would fit within that definition. And here's what he said. The defenders of the status quo tend to begin by treating the revolutionary power as if its protestations were merely tactical, as if it accepted the existing legitimacy but overstated its case for bargaining purposes as if it were motivated by specific grievances to be assuaged by limited concessions. But it is the essence of a revolutionary power that it possesses the courage of its convictions, that it is willing, indeed eager, to push its principles to the ultimate conclusion. When you're dealing with an ordinary political movement, it makes sense to presume that their policy proposals, right or wrong, are made in good faith. When one is dealing with a revolutionary movement that does not accept the legitimacy of the existing system, there's no reason to make that assumption. Revolutionary movements which aren't concerned about the rules of the game have no compunction about misrepresenting their goal. And their goal in this case has nothing to do with free markets, as you've already related. Uh, They are not a nonpartisan organization. They are a radical organization that is devoted to overthrowing the existing form of constitutional representative democracy in this country and the, the proposals that their their very existence of this um, privatized legislative system in which uh, you have at least as, as outlined in the uh, the CMD complaint uh, this privatized legal, uh, legislative system where what's happening is that you're negotiating bills and the the Members, which are the Republican members, as soon as they're in in majority, uh, are basically taking their marching orders from these people. The state chair is obligated under Alex's bylaws to then take that and introduce it. And you saw what happened in Wisconsin where they suddenly rammed through uh, uh, the union-busting legislation, making the public function of, of the legislature in Wisconsin 
basically a hollow shell. But they, Ernie, let me break in here. Now, you, you call them a, a revolutionary system. They are advocating for the things that they believe in. These are things that you and I uh, may abhor, uh, and, and they may be counter to uh, what we regard as uh, progressive values, even counter to what we regard as American values. But don't they have every right to do this? Don't they have every legal right to uh, to lobby legislators and, and to uh, see, you know, if you and I, Ernie, had, uh, you know, got together and said, okay, we are going to uh, create some model legislation that says everyone, every citizen in the United States who is 18 years or older who wants to vote gets to vote, period. If we put together some legislation for that, put it on our website, got it out to uh, legislators uh, and asked them to introduce this around the country, wouldn't that be a good thing? How would that be any different than what Alec is currently doing? It's hugely different, and the fundamental difference is that you're talking about lobbying, which is the act of trying to influence the thinking of legislatures or other public officials on, spe- on a specific cause, which right. is what you're talking about there. That is not what Alex is Alec is about. Alec is about supplanting the very system that we have. The, leg- the whole legislative process becomes a hollowed-out shell, and instead of the elected representatives who then become members of Alec actually represent, actually answering to the people, they answer to the corporations who, to whom uh, they re- from whom they receive their orders in secret. It is a hollowing out and replacement of the very system, and that's the problem. You're treating them as if they are some ordinary organization who just has these different ideas about what policy should be. That's not what they're doing. They are attempting to replace constitutional democracy with essentially a a uh, a, a fascist form of. Uh, of government uh, uh, under the, the classic definition that uh, uh, Vice President Henry Wallace talked about, where they combine the uh, uh, the political and economic power to keep everyone else in eternal sub- subjugation. And the problem here, when you get into the issues, for example, specifically in Wisconsin, as you know, we, we dealt with the question of whether or not uh, at least as alleged in the CMD complaint, they, that ALEC, as well as the state legislators, are violating the um, uh, state ethics laws and violating the uh, the open meeting laws, because if, in fact, this is operating as uh, as a, a legislator that a legislator a legislator made up of the public members mm-hmm. along with the private lobbyists right. who supersede the and carry out the government's business in secret, yeah. then you've got an issue of whether they're violating that particular law. Well, indeed, and Ernie, uh, we're speaking with Ernest Canning, attorney, uh, legal analyst at bradblog.com. You're listening to the Bradcast on KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman. Uh, Ernie, uh, Randy in Cucamonga calls in, and uh, he couldn't hold, but uh, it seems like he agrees with you. He says that Alec acts behind closed doors and that that is the problem well when you talk about the uh, uh the, the the lack of open meeting the violation of the wisconsin open meeting laws for example when wisconsin legislators uh meet with alec and, and their lobbyists again it doesn't seem to me that that is alec's problem that seems like the legislators problem it seems to underscore a problem uh in uh, in either the uh, the corporate lobbying laws in Wisconsin and elsewhere, or with the legislators themselves uh, and 
you know, their participation in a closed meeting in violation of the open meeting laws, that doesn't seem to be uh, Alex's problems. But let me go to a caller here who seems to agree with you, Ernie, uh, and you can uh, get in on this conversation if you like at 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. Love to hear from you whether you agree with me or not. And by the way, we did invite a spokesperson from Alec uh, to join us this afternoon. And uh, so far, they have not responded to my uh, to, to my invitation. Uh, they did put out a statement, however, in regard to the uh, campaign against them. I'll get to what they had to say in a moment, but let me get to Matt in Topanga. Hey, Matt, welcome to the broadcast on KPFK. Well, thank you, and uh, once again, great topic, Brad. And uh, oh, Thanks, sir. Me, I just swallowed a plutocrat. Um, <laughs> anyhow, I, um, yes. you know, by Mussolini's death, now you, you mentioned uh, a different um, character of history who summed up the definition of fascism, but I know Mussolini also de- uh, summed up the definition of uh, the intertwining of corporations and, and government. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to really bring out the F word uh, for this because nobody wants to believe that this nation is becoming fascist, although it is. And also another a brilliant thing I think Noam Chomsky is doing is calling it the corporate nanny state. Now, this whole, you know, that nanny state is a dirty word. It makes people think of France and these evil places that actually take care of their own folks. But um, I think, you know, in getting to the more red meat states, branding in those ways that Alex contributes to fascism, it contributes to the corporate nanny state, might be a way to get the hegemons to actually perk their but, but, Matt, again, isn't all of that allowed within our current system? How are they uh, working outside of our current system? Our, our current system, you know, is a, seems to be a systemic problem. It sucks. The corporate lobbying uh, situation that we've allowed in this country to go on is horrible. It's abhorrent. It has led to so many of the problems that we're currently facing. But, again... I don't see anything illegal uh, in what they're doing. It seems to me that we need to look at the way we are, are, are allowing these corporate uh, uh, lobbying laws to move forward in this country. Matt, thanks for your thoughts. Let, let me get uh, Ernie's uh, thoughts on that. Uh, Ernie, where, where again, where am I going wrong? Where does Matt have it right? Well, um, I, I actually didn't get to fully respond to the one point, and you, you made it again with regard to, to Matt. Okay. Uh, the, some of the issues that are rising in the CMD complaint um, may very well implicate ALEC and or at least its member corporations who are lobbyists in the state of Wisconsin because the, the lobbying laws don't only apply to the politicians. They apply to the corporations as principles of the lobbyists, and there's this whole issue, which is, you know, beyond the scope of what we're discussing right now, but this whole issue of the Alex Scholarship Fund uh, uh, is a sticky wicket that, uh, that Alec and others may, and its members may very well be uh, on both the private and public side violating Wisconsin law. The, the other aspect of Alec is, and I did the research before you called me, is that ALEC, uh, it's actually a group called the Mackinac Center, which is a member of ALEC, mm-hmm. uh, which is responsible for pushing through probably the most drastic democracy-destroying law in the nation right now, and that is the emergency management law in Michigan mm-hmm. that has allowed the governor of the state to appoint uh, uh, basically an economic czar who then supersedes 
wherever they determine somebody's, uh, you know, some local entity, uh, and, and right now they're talking about possibly Detroit, uh, is in financial trouble, that they will appoint this, uh, this economic czar, and it, all of a sudden, every, uh, every locally elected official has no power. They, they're stripping uh, local governments of all power, and what they're doing in doing that is they are stripping uh, the poor, the uh, uh, and, and these are mostly minority heirs of the right to to have any control over their local government. Whereas, if you're in a wealthy area, you have control over your local uh, government. Laura, uh, uh, Ernie, I understand, and I think it's a terrible law. And I understand that Alec uh, may be pushing for that law uh, through their member groups. I still don't, you know, it seems to be, once again, that uh, you and I may have a political problem with that. No, I have a legal problem with you it. You have a legal problem. Yes, All right, well, very quickly before we go to a break here, uh, what's your legal problem? And the other laws uh-huh. are all designed to deprive citizens of their constitutional rights. And when you conspire to deprive citizens of their constitutional rights, you are violating our laws. And that is what ALEC is all about. All right, fair enough. Uh, Ernie, can you uh, stay on the line just a few more sure. minutes? i got to take a quick break here, but we got a bunch of phone calls uh, coming in, a bunch of people who want to ring in on this. If you'd like to get in, 818-985-5735. What's the problem with Alec? I'll give you Alec's response when we come back uh, from the break also uh, to the campaign that has been going on against them that has led to about uh, five or six different of their corporate sponsors now to drop out. Uh, Think Progress has a huge list of the corporate sponsors of ALEC, including, uh, I'll rattle off a few of them here, BP, Reynolds American, Allergen, Altria, AT&T, Bear, Chevron, ExxonMobil, Easy Corp, Lumina Foundation, Peabody, Pharma, Shell, State Farm, State Policy Network, Visa, Walmart, you get the idea. You can see the full list over at thinkprogress.org. You can also get into this discussion, by the way, uh, via the Twitters. You can reach me at the Brad Blog if you have any thoughts there. And if you'd like to uh, get onto the phone and reach your public airwaves, you can do so at 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. We're going to take a... Uh, uh, a break here momentarily. We'll come back with Ernie Canning and your calls. And Desi Doyen will be joining us very shortly as well. On Sunday, May 6th at Club Nokia in downtown L.A., KPFK will present the second annual Hero Awards and Tribute Concert. The Hero Awards and Tribute Concert honors outstanding artistic achievement and recognizes the artist's contributions to their communities. The awards and concert at the Club Nokia this year will pay tribute to poet, songwriter, singer, and spoken word artist Gil Scott Heron. Honor the prolific achievements of innovative jazz bassist and educator Charlie Hayden and 
and recognize the remarkable work of Los Angeles music teacher Fernando Polo. KPFK will also present a Lifetime Achievement Award to the iconic folk singer and civil rights activist, Pete Seeger. The second annual KPFK Hero Awards and Tribute Concert takes place on Sunday, May 6th at 7 p.m. VIP reception begins at 5 p.m. At the Club Nokia, part of LA Live, 800 West Olympic Boulevard in downtown LA. Tickets are available now by going online to kpfk.org and clicking on the Hero Awards and Tribute button. More information is available by calling KPFK at 818-985-2711, extension 361. The second annual Hero Awards and Tribute Concert at Club Nokia is a benefit for 90.7 FM KPFK Radio. Standing up for your rights right here on KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com. You're listening to The Bradcast. Uh, I'm joined by my guest, Ernest Canning, attorney and legal analyst at bradblog.com. We're taking your calls at 818-985-5735 on Alec. And my question of what's the problem with Alec... Uh, I'll get back to that in a moment, but I want to uh, continue with this breaking news that uh, it's being now confirmed by uh, by all the agencies, uh, AP, MSNBC, CNN. The special prosecutor in the Trayvon Martin shooting case says George Zimmerman will, in fact, be charged with second-degree murder. He has given himself up um to uh to the state uh, state department of law enforcement he has surrendered he is currently in custody he will be charged george zimmerman will be charged with second degree murder in the killing of trayvon martin down there in uh, in sanford florida and again uh, kpfk evening news will certainly have much more on that story Ahead. Okay, back to the American Legislative Exchange Council. Oh, and we'll get to uh, Desi Doyen and some green news in just a few moments here. But uh, back to uh, the American Legislative Exchange Council. My question, what is the problem with them? Yes, I abhor all of their legislation and this so-called public-private partnership that they have between state legislators and uh, corporate lobbyists. Uh, they have been targeted with a campaign by colorofchange.org and some other groups. Uh, actually, they haven't been targeted as much as their corporate sponsors have been targeted. And so far, they lost uh, about five or six big ones, Mc, uh, McDonald's, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, uh, Wendy's, uh, Intuit, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and so forth. They have responded in a statement today, Alec did. Uh, they said, quote, Alec is an organization that supports pro-growth, pro-jobs policies and the vigorous exchange of ideas between the public and private sector to develop state-based solutions. Today, we find ourselves the focus of a well-funded, expertly coordinated intimidation campaign. 
We are not, and we will not be defined by ideological special interests who would like to eliminate discourse that leads to economic vitality, jobs, and fiscal stability for the states. Uh, Ernie Canning, do you have any response to uh, Alex's response uh, to this campaign against them? And I should say again, we did invite Alec to join us here today. They had not responded yet to our invitation. We'd be delighted to have them here in the future. Your thoughts on uh, uh, on Alex's statement today, Ernie Canning? Well, the best response that I could possibly give you was actually uh, what uh, former Vice President Henry Wallace penned in 1944 when we were in the middle of a war against uh, fascism over in Europe. Mm -hmm. And this is what he said, because I think this fits exactly what you just read to me. Quote, the American fascists would prefer not to use violence. His method is to poison the channels of information. With a fascist, the problem is never how best to present the truth, but how best to use the news to deceive the public into giving the fascist and his group more money and more power. They claim to be super patriots, but they would destroy every liberty guaranteed by the Constitution. They demand free enterprise, but are the spokesman for monopoly and vested interests. Their final objective, towards which all their deceit is directed, is to capture political power so that using the power of the state and the power of the market simultaneously, they may keep the common man in internal subjugation. End of quote. And that was Henry Wallace, 1946? 1944. 44. It was a New York Times article. Well, he was vice president still in, in a New York Times article. I just wanted to uh, just touch briefly uh, with, with the Trayvon Martin situation. Yeah. Because there's a chart I saw from the People for the American Way that pertains to the Stand Your Ground law in Florida. And what that chart shows is that up until October of 2005, Mm -hmm. when uh, in Florida the number of justifiable homicides in Florida ranged somewhere between 10 and 15 per year. Uh, Since that law has passed, the justifiable homicides in Florida has shot up, which is uh, under the through the roof, yeah, between forty and fifty and forty-five per year. Yeah, at least, Uh, and uh, that's their chart. I I don't know if those numbers are higher, but that's based on the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, right? Uh, Indeed, and that law, though the the Florida law was not uh, passed by Alec. Uh, Alec claims that it was. Uh, Florida's stand-your-ground law that was their model for the model legislation that they subsequently worked with the uh, National Rifle Association to pass in about 24 different states. Let me get to a, a couple more callers here. Uh, Lonnie in Los Angeles joins us. Welcome to the broadcast, Lonnie. Uh-oh. Lonnie, are you are you there? Everybody seems to choke as soon as I call on them. Uh, what's up, Lonnie? You, you have a thought on uh, on the American Legislative Exchange Council and what is the problem with them? Alex, the thing is, they're 501C3 um, and under 501C3 there's a requirement for that says that they're and also Lonnie, I, I got I'm having tr- I'm real trouble hearing your phone for some reason. You got a bad phone, but I think your question was, how can American Legislative Exchange Council be a 501c3? They're supposed to be a, a nonpartisan nonprofit, uh, and and frankly, that was one of the questions that I had hoped to ask 
uh, I had invited a Caitlin Buss, the director of communications, and Alex to join us on the show because they, you know, they they say in their own mission statement they call themselves a nonpartisan public-private partnership of America's state legislators. They say that one of their goals is to enlist state legislators from all parties. And I had been hoping to ask them, you know, just how many Democrats they have versus how many Republicans they have. They claim to be nonpartisan. I see no sign of that nonpartisanship, which might be a breach of their uh, uh, the, the, the charter uh, to be a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Uh, Ernie, is, is that a legal issue where Alec may be uh, skirting the law? I'm going to beg up on that one, uh, Brad, because mm-hmm. I'm not a tax law expert. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let me get to uh, Aaron in Los Angeles. Uh, and our phone number, by the way, 818-985-5735. We've got just a few more minutes before we go to Desi Doyen with the Green News Report this week. 818-985-5735. Hey, Aaron, uh, welcome to the broadcast. What's up, brother? How you doing? How you doing, Brad? I'm doing okay. Okay, first of all... Uh, Let's not look at Alec by itself. I'd like to try to recollect to him that they're part of an organized criminal conspiracy to subvert the government. Um, Okay, look at the uh, election fraud that happened in Wisconsin that you spoke very well of that enabled them to support their goals. Uh, Back to the, the Emergency Act. It's been and in Michigan. It's been proven that they never had a majority to put that right into emergency, and they just they they just, they just rolled over over it. So they broke laws there. But Aaron, again, that was hang on, Aaron. That was the uh, that was the Mich- Michigan State Legislature uh, Legislature that did that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But there are accomplices to this, and if we dig deeper. Um, I, okay, first we'd have to go to their board members and see what else, they, what other groups they are involved in. I, I really believe that this guy Lofner was brainwashed to shoot Gifford because it's mighty funny that that happened right before they went on this big uh, collective bargaining tantrum and what have you, and no Democrat on the national level would speak out against that. Okay. This is after getting threats all that time. All right, and fair enough. You, you know, I'm into my conspiracy, so you know well, I want to take it there, too. Uh, no, I hear you, Aaron, and, and that's okay. Of course, I should. thanks for the call. I do appreciate it. Uh, there is no evidence uh, to tie uh, Gerald Lofner in uh, Tucson, Arizona, uh, to Alec in any way, shape, or form. Uh, maybe all of these things tied together, but uh, we need evidence uh, to prove that. Ernest Canning uh, is uh, is perhaps the lesson here that uh, folks at this point, aside from tor- targeting their sponsors, their corporate sponsors, which, by the way, uh, my own response to Alex's uh, uh, comment today where they say we are not and will not be defined, or, or actually where they say uh, – We find ourselves the focus of a well-funded, expertly coordinated intimidation campaign. Uh, Let me just say, Alex says they believe in free markets. Well, it seems to me that this is the free market speaking and that the free market is going to these corporate sponsors and saying, hey, uh, AT&T, hey, Walgreens, uh, we don't want to have anything to do with, hey, uh, WellPoint and Time Warner and Dow and CenturyLink and ConocoPhillips and ExxonMobil, we don't want to have anything to do with you as long as you are involved with Alec. That seems to me to be the free market at work, and that's uh, quite the opposite of what they describe as a coordinated intimidation 
campaign. Uh, just my opinion on that. But uh, Ernie, uh, is the lesson here that opponents of Alec now need to dig in on uh, on the legal side of this equation and make sure that what Alec is doing is actually uh, legal? And if there is a, uh, a, a foothold, a legal foothold that they can bring, a complaint that can be actually brought against Alec as opposed to the state legislators? Or is it a matter of starving the beast, as they might like uh, to hear it called, where we talk about starving their funding, their corporate funders, uh, and targeting uh, their member uh, legislators? Well, well, briefly, uh, Brad, I have to tell you, I find it amusing for Alec, uh, with all of their funding, to refer to the opposition as well-funded. Yes, no kidding. <laughs> but uh, getting back to that, I think that one one the legal issue uh, needs to be explored in, on a state-by-state basis, just as Alec is targeting each state. You know, the interesting thing is that I, I think when when you really be, become to see the the basic threat to constitutional democracy, it surfaces and it surfaced swiftly in 2010 in every one of those states where the Republicans had had gained a majority foothold in the state legislators, legislatures. And, and once you have that, if you have this ALEC model legislation being drafted in secret and then rammed down our throats, uh, you're seeing this, this supplanting of, a, of, a, of legislatures as a public institution by the private institutions. Mm-hmm. So, and, and where they have primarily succeeded, for example, in the photo ID laws, has been where they have gained that majority. It's interesting that Alex would claim it's nonpartisan, yet, uh, for example, in the CMD complaint, I didn't see a, a single person named there uh, that was connected with any party other than the Republican Party. Yep. Uh, and it is the Republican Party, uh, not that I think the Democrats are blameless everywhere, but the Republican Party that has been driving home this massive uh, 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 voter suppression drive, in, mm-hmm. in, in, which, as you know, is not limited to the photo ID laws, and we have some articles up the Brad blog. The one thing, by the way, that the caller said that I think we have to be cautious about, he referred to election fraud in Wisconsin, and it, there may well be that occurring, but the other problem is, as you know, with the uh, with the electronic voting systems in play, is that it may be that they're just really messing up bad, too. Well, and that's the problem. Of course, there is no way to know uh, because of the secret vote counting up there. Uh, all right. Well, this uh, conversation, I suspect, will continue. And I suspect, you know, as uh, you and I, Ernie, have talked offline, um, you know, it's, it's my opinion that had progressives come up with this idea, had progressives put together a group uh, funded by uh, whoever it may be, you know, unions or uh, uh, progressive corporations to push for legislation that they believe to be in the public good and let's uh, you know let's let's for the moment take Alec at its word for whatever reason they believe the legislation they're pushing is within the public good at least it's within the corporate good of their corporate sponsors um but had progressives done something like that I think that uh, folks would have embraced it. And yet, I believe, again, it underscores a a systemic problem, not a problem with Alec, uh, as much as a problem in what we allow, the way we allow uh, corporations, corporate money uh, into our system entirely, into our lobbying system, into our electoral system. 
Uh, and as you know, that's something we keep our eye on here uh, while everyone else seems to be looking the other way. Ernie Canning, uh, senior legal analyst at bradblog.com, great attorney as well. As always, great to talk to you, my friend. Thanks, Brad. All right. We'll talk soon, and uh, I know Ernie is actually working on a piece about Alec, uh, and uh, he will have more details on Alec and what is the problem with Alec coming up very soon at bradblog.com. It's not easy being green. Oh, it's not easy being green. It seems you blend in with so many you know other what that means. ordinary things. Yes. That means here comes Desi Doyen. Uh, and if you're on the line, by the way, we'll try to uh, get to all the callers if we have time at 818-985-5735. And you can Twitter me at the Brad Blog. But, yes, that music means it is once again time for the lovely Desi Doyen, our producer, and uh, my co-host on the Green News Report, Heard on fine progressive radio stations from coast to coast. And each, around the globe. And around the globe. At greennews.bradblog.com. There you go. Uh, each and every week. Okay. Uh, well, we will, uh, we've got t- today's report, which is, uh, distressing at best. But that's kind of every single Green News report you bring in <laughs> oh, is <man>. distressing <laughs> at oh, best. Heart- Man, tough crowd. Yeah, it is. T- I am a tough crowd. Let's go. Let's go to the Green News Report. We'll come back and we'll uh, we'll we'll talk uh, live with Desi Doyen uh, right after it. So the colds are colder and the warms are warmer and the severe is more severe. It's official. March 2012, the warmest March on record in the U.S. We are looking at fire conditions from New York City all the way down to Greenville, as far west as parts of western Kentucky. So much for April showers. Wildfires break out along the eastern seaboard. Plus, fracking boom leads to natural gas glut and fracking earthquakes. All of that and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Big oil does not get subsidized. They have tax breaks like many other industries do. Nice, Rush. I wish I could not get subsidized like big oil. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Des, I know you got a lot to cover today, so I'll be quick about this, but this has been a bugaboo of mine. We're hearing this in the media over and over again. Gas prices have doubled under Barack Obama. Now, the fact is, in July of 2008, under George W. Bush, the gas prices were higher than they are now, averaging above $4. The reason they have doubled since Obama took office is because gas prices had crashed when the Great Recession hit under George W. Bush. Just another piece of Republican propaganda that the mainstream media doesn't bother to correct. Uh, You make a really good point. You hear it over and over and over again, and it's still wrong. And the Democrats don't correct it, but even worse, the mainstream corporate media doesn't bother. They let them get away with that nonsense. Anyway... What not nonsense do you have for us today? Well, it's official. March 2012 was the warmest March on record for the U.S., according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Over 15,000 distinct all-time local weather temperature records were broken, with average March temperatures nearly 9 degrees warmer than the 20th century average for March. The first quarter of 2012 is also the warmest on record. And the last 12 months? 
the warmest 12-month period on record. Importantly, the draft analysis from NOAA concludes that the March heat wave was fueled in part by global warming from human activity. They said that it added to the magnitude of the heat wave. But up in Alaska, Anchorage saw the opposite extreme. The same weather patterns that withheld snow in the U.S. instead dumped it all on Anchorage, breaking that city's all-time seasonal snowfall record. Europe and Russia also saw record snowstorms. Climate scientists have predicted for decades that global warming would lead to a trend toward more frequent extreme weather events, and that connection was even mentioned out loud on CNN. Here's meteorologist Alexandra Steele. The climate change we're seeing, you know, extremes kind of are ruling the roost, and really what we're seeing more become the norm. So the colds are colder and the warms are warmer, and the severe is more severe. The colds are colder and the warms are warmer. No, she's not talking about the Meek DLT. She's talking about what we've been talking about over the past three years here on the Green News Report as we see this week in, week out, more extreme temperatures, more extreme highs, more extreme lows, more extreme tornadoes, floods, droughts, fires. It's amazing, and it's as if it's not even happening in the bulk of the mainstream corporate media. Now, while the March heat wave was a guilty pleasure for many accustomed to snow in the north, these unstable weather patterns have consequences. The warm winter has fueled an early tornado season in the south and midwest, and the dry air is fueling an eruption of brush fires along the length of the eastern seaboard. Here's NBC's Al Roker. Many fires going on throughout the east. Milford, Connecticut, they had to suspend Amtrak service. Staten Island has wildfires going on. And then in New Jersey, a forest fire burning there. The blaze began earlier today in Burlington County. And as far south as Florida, we're talking about drought conditions, no rain in sight. At least 20 wildfires are going on. We are looking at fire conditions from New York City all the way down to Greenville, as far west as parts of western Kentucky. Now, last summer, we saw record fires in Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. And now we're seeing wildfires and drought in the Northeast, where it's usually rainy this time of year? Yep. But wait, there's more. Another unexpected consequence of the exceptionally warm winter... Weak demand for home heating has created an oversupply of natural gas, and the U.S. is running out of places to store it. The controversial natural gas drilling technique of fracking has triggered a frenzy of drilling across the country. The industry-induced oversupply has depressed natural gas prices so much that several natural gas companies have announced they will cut back on drilling operations and even close some wells in an effort to boost profits. But the oversupply of natural gas is, frankly, the least of our problems when it comes to fracking as we learn in this new report. Yes, the slowdown in natural gas fracking is good news for homeowners because it means fewer earthquakes. A new study from the U.S. Geological Survey concludes that fracking is, quote, almost certainly behind the jump in earthquakes across the Midwest over the last few years. Unbelievable. They say it appears to be linked to oil and gas drilling, especially wastewater injection wells. So now the fossil fuel industry is causing our own planet to crumble. Let's all look the other way, shall we? For more on that story and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Download our reports anytime at iTunes. You can listen to us via your mobile device on Stitcher Radio and follow us 24-7 on the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyle. And this has been your Green News Report. Shake it, 
whole lot of shaking going on. <laughs> earthquakes, earthquakes. See, that's good a, news. It, that's good news? It's How good is that news. good news? Well, because if there's going to be a drawdown on drilling for the moment because of the natural gas glut, fewer that means fewer earthquakes. Well, yes, that that's is, a good thing. That is a good thing. It's a good thing to have a glut of natural gas because that means the prices are really well, low. that's a good right thing. Uh, see? Well, see, you're trying to make uh, some lemonade out of these lemons. Aren't no, you? The that's fact a, those are all that, good things. Well, the, well, those are all good things that there's less fracking, but the fact that we have now uh, tied, and, and who was it who, who has determined, in fact, that the uh, earthquakes are caused by fracking? Uh, it's the There's U.S. The- Geological Survey. It was a draft report, so that means that they'll have to put it through peer review and do all kinds of other things. But, you know, the draft report says, quote, and I quote them almost certainly, and it, yes. it's mainly because of the wastewater injection wells. Every single one of these wells, these uh, fracking wells, uses millions of gallons of water each, and they have to dispose of that water somewhere. When they put into these wells, it tends to cause the rocks to slip. That, at least that's the working Desi theory. Doyen. We are causing earthquakes. In the Midwest. Get some in earthquake insurance. In the Midwest. And everybody, and you know, and they look at fracking like, oh, this is the great, the fracking revolution. This is the, you know, the, the natural gas revolution. We are causing earthquakes. Isn't that a problem? Well, yeah. Shouldn't that be at the that's top of the news? That's why we talk about it. Yeah, that's why you and I talk about it. Other than that, uh, oh, no problem. Just uh, earthquakes. Oh, well, just causing earthquakes where we didn't used to have earthquakes at all. Uh, okay, a couple of points I, I, I want to hit. Uh, I had mentioned at the top of the uh, Green News report uh, about this uh, phony GOP meme that has been going on. Obama prices, gas prices have doubled under Obama. Uh, we've been hearing this all over the place. Uh, Mitt Romney said this the other day that, quote, uh, gas has, quote, doubled under this president. Newt Gingrich released an ad last month quote, uh, charging, quote, since Barack Obama's inauguration, gas prices have doubled. Um, and on and on, uh, the right-wing uh, news site Town Hall had an article yesterday, quote, gas prices officially doubled under Obama. All right. And they use that to say it, that Obama's energy, energy policy is obviously failure, failing. Right. But what they're really using it for is to fool the American people into saying, okay, you're paying almost $4 uh, per gallon gallon of gas right now because of Barack Obama. Elect us and you won't have that. But here are the facts. The facts are uh, that the average price of a regular gas of gallon, uh, a gallon of gas across the U.S. yesterday was $3.92. Uh, and the facts are also that when Obama took office in January 2009, it was $1.83. However, just months before that, gas in the U.S. hit an all-time high at $4.11 under George W. Bush. The only reason that they were $1.83 when Obama took office is because George W. Bush succeeded in tanking the global economy. And when he tanked the global economy, oil prices crashed, went from the all-time high of $4.11 down to $1.83. And so as the markets have returned, as the uh, oil prices have returned, they've largely... global economic activity has surged for everybody else. For everybody else, it has, uh, by and large, those prices have returned to what they were under George Bush, except they're still lower than they were under George W. Bush. And so, yes, I expect, uh, you know, Mitt Romney, Newt Gingrich to lie about this stuff. But I expect the mainstream corporate media to correct them when they do. But they don't. 
do they? No, no, they don't. That's, so that's gas up to prices us. now yeah. are not as high as they were under, under George, George W. Bush. Bush. That's up to us. Love uh, Barack Obama or hate him? Let's just all tell the truth, shall we? Is that too much to ask? Let's try that for a change, shall we? <sighs> Desi Doyen, uh, thank you very much. Our thanks. producer, uh, Desi Doyen. Uh, my thanks also to our super-duper associate producer, Margot Paez. Our soundboard operator today, Federico Garcia. Stay tuned for John Wiener in the 4 o'clock report. He'll be talking with Tavis Smiley. We'll be joining him. I suspect they'll have some thoughts on the uh, George Zimmerman uh, arrest. Uh, and charges for second-degree murder, as has happened within the past hour. So stay tuned for that. Until next week, when we'll be back, same Brad time, same Brad channel, you can find me on the Twitters at TheBradBlog or at BradBlog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good night, America.